I always was on site all the time and I was pretty much running everything. And I was coordinating all the subcontractors kind of in, in general. So I was like, I'm kind of doing this job. Why am I paying somebody an extra 20% to do this when I'm literally doing all of their work? Welcome ladies to the Real Estate Investor Show, providing inspiration, strategies, and insight to empower women investors to live balanced and financially free lives. Now, here are your co-hosts, Liz and Andressa. On today's episode, ladies, you're in for a real treat. We have Pamela Barty. She's a Boston native, and she went from delivering pizzas to now a nine-figure real estate portfolio. We break down how her journey from Lebanon happened with her family moving to the U.S., how she transitioned from real estate residential to commercial, and a very, very interesting conversation about how she sees the future of real estate and how she's mitigating risk. You will really love it. I'm telling you, don't miss this opportunity. Take a break and listen to this episode now. Before we get into Pamela's story, let's hear a word from our sponsors. I used to think working from home was the dream, until it wasn't. Between the distractions and the solitude, I was struggling. But then I discovered Industrious Office, and honestly, it's been a game changer. Every day at Industrious feels like stepping into a zone of productivity. The high-speed internet never fails me during crucial moments, and the workspace is not only stylish, but designed to boost your focus and creativity. Plus, the daily breakfast and endless coffees are super cool. Meeting other driven professionals right where I work has not just expanded my network, it's inspired me. It's amazing how being around other focused people can push you to achieve more, you know what I mean? If you're looking for a sign to change your workspace, this is it. Check out Industrious by visiting biggerpockets.com industrious. Then click join now and use the promo code pockets to get a free week of co-working when you take a tour. That's biggerpockets.com industrious and use promo code pockets after clicking join now. Experience for yourself how the right environment can change the way you work. Industrious, it's where your best work happens. Top real estate investors love to talk about how they save so much on taxes. But how are they able to build rental property empires while skirting Uncle Sam? 1031 exchanges. 1031 exchanges allow you to defer capital gains taxes while you sell an investment property, exchanging your old property for a bigger, better one and avoiding the tax man while you do it. And that's where First American Exchange Company comes in. They're the leaders in 1031 exchanges. Whether you're a seasoned investor or just starting, First American Exchange can help you with simple rental property exchanges, complex commercial real estate investments, reverse exchanges, and more. Don't let your taxes eat into your profits. Visit First American Exchange Company at firstexchange.com or call them at 800-556-2520. That's firstexchange.com or 800-556-2520. Keep your money in your pocket and propel your portfolio further at firstexchange.com. First American Exchange Company does not provide tax or legal advice. Consult your financial, real estate, tax, or legal advisor about your circumstances. First American Exchange Company. Safe, smart, secure. Welcome back, everyone. This is Liz. And this is Andressa. Welcome back to the Real Estate Invest Her Show, where our, our passion, our mission, what runs through our veins is to empower women to live a financially free and balanced life. And we make that our, our focus, right, Andressa, and everything we're mm -hmm. up to and everything from real estate investing, business, self-care, the, the holistic view of who we are as women. We have Pamela Barty on our show today. Pamela, thank you so much for being here. So excited to jump into your story and trailblazing path that you've had, especially as a real estate developer. 
in commercial real estate, no less, in, in, in that path that you've done. So thanks for being here. Thanks for sharing your wisdom with our community. Thank you so much for having me. It's such an honor. And like I was telling you before the show, I'm like, women investors are like, my absolute jam. So I'm so excited to be here today. So we want to give as much value as we can for, for the new listeners that are literally, this is the first time they're, they're jumping into our podcast or, or the women and men that have been on our journey since, you know, five years, uh, you know, in, in, in our podcast growth. So Pamela, what lesson has taken you the longest to learn? Oh boy. <laughs> so the lesson that took me the longest to learn and the one that I've been the most stubborn with, I'm not going to lie to you, is financial forecasting. Right. So uh, in the disc assessment, if you guys haven't taken it before, you know, I'm a high D. So I'm very much a visionary, optimistic, all the things. And so I don't like the nitty gritty of like, you know, numbers and forecasting and all these things. And that kind of hit me quite a bit. (laughs) One, you know, a couple of deals that I screwed up on. So, you know, I started uh, I started in development at 21 years old, Uh, started flipping houses basically when I was 21. And um, I just remember, I mean, thank God I had a coach, but even with the coach at that point in time, there were still deals that I was able to somehow screw up because I got a little bit too optimistic in my numbers. So that's definitely the number one thing. Like, don't fall in love with the deal, fall in love with the numbers. And that happened to me a couple of times. So any any female investors who are here, they they feel my pain and they know what I'm talking about. <laughs> Oh, 100%. Let's talk about numbers, right? You just mentioned it. You went from selling pizzas to build a nine-figure real estate business. So ladies, pull your chair, get out of the treadmill or get in, depending on where you are, because you're going to have to take notes on on this one. I want to mention what you just said about the forecast. Um, Many times people talk about cash flow and they focus on the cash flow of the property, right? But when you're scaling and you are having multiple deals at the same time, the forecasting for your business, it is something that I don't think people talk about. And then unless you are in it, you can see all those properties literally sucking every single cent that you have from your business account because they are not producing, because they are in progress, right? And you're like, wait a minute, wait a minute. Scaling sounds wonderful, right? But from a business cash flow perspective, I think this is one of the biggest traps that nobody talks about when saying when you are scaling, you really need to think about all the cycles of all the properties And how does that impact your business so you can raise money properly, considering all those things, and manage and not have a freaking heart attack (laughs) or about to have it? For you, when it comes down to that, what have you put in place? Yes, absolutely. So contingencies and financial forecasting has definitely been something that was critical to me. So when I first started, I was like 21. And then my first few deals, I were great. They were amazing. Also, remember, I had two restaurants by the time I was 21 too. So I had my restaurants plus I had the flips going on. So I had no, you had to, you were 21 years old in, in theory, but you were about 45 in real life. What's (laughs) happening with you? (laughs) 
<laughs> well, I'll give you like a short synopsis of my story and then, I'll, and then I'll kind of go into that. But basically, I came to the U.S. when I was five years old from Albania. My parents won the visa lottery and basically came here with nothing. So I saw them basically grow everything from the ground up. When I was 10, my father bought a restaurant. I started working there when I was 10. And by the time I was 18, I was running the show at his restaurant. Then as soon as I finished college, I opened up two of my own restaurants and then was like working 14, 16 hour days, almost seven days a week. And I was like, there's got to be a better way to do this. I'm like, how am I not fulfilled? And that's around the time that flips became this massive thing, like 2013, when all the shows started coming out and all of that. And, you know, still a lot of leftover from 2009, you know, 2008, 2009, um, crazy. So that's when I dove in, I hired a coach and basically dove into it. And so one of the things that my, my coach would always say to me would be like, Pam, you know, you got to make sure like if you think you can, you know, renovate it and sell it within six months, like that's great, but just add some more time. And he's like, and just make sure you're mapping out the cash flow that your businesses need, and then mapping out the cash flow that each property you take on needs. And if it needs more time, if it needs more time, make sure you add that time. Did I do that? No, I did not. You know, my first few deals were absolutely fantastic. You know, making like 80, 100K profit. It was fantastic. Then that really, you know, um, this one thing that has been huge has been, you know, it's one thing to get to the top. It's another one to stay there. Right. So when you get those first few deals that really amp you up, you're like, I got this. I made X amount. I met you start to feel a little more confident in your upcoming deals. And you're like, yeah, whatever. I made this much in this. So I, I, it'll be totally fine. Yeah. I didn't do the proper contingencies and some deals took longer than expected and took more cash flow than expected and didn't sell at the price point that I had thought because I'd gotten overly ambitious. Right. So don't let those little like sparks of success in the beginning <laughs> kind of hinder reality right and 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 make you think like kind of like you let your guard down when it comes to financial forecasting because that's when it'll really bite you because any deal has the potential to lose your shirt if you let it right if the risk is high enough right so so that was one of the things that as I was getting a little bit deeper into my career getting a little bit more cocky and confident right so that's that's when I was like you know it humbled me right away (laughs) yeah (laughs) well we all need to be humbled right that's so important well we don't want to be humble but we need to be humbled right in in so many ways so for the contingencies today's economy let's let's talk about contingencies of how you're mitigating risk because that's a big question mark for people you know in terms of the you know, different real estate asset classes, multifamily still overpriced, interest rates have gone up, you know, whether they're going to come down, what, what's going to happen. Owners are still stuck in COVID times with their numbers, what they want out of properties where they're just not, it hasn't caught up. Um, so I'm curious to hear what your contingencies are today. How are you navigating that now with everything happening and making, you know, making sure you're, um, mitigating risk. And, and I and I think that's an important for the woman listening. Absolutely. And I think it's it's more important now than ever because of the volatility of the market. So I one of the things that I'm doing right now is getting super clear on what my focus is. And that's something that I was really contingent on from, from day one. Like, you know, I was like, I'm working on one to four family properties in Boston in these specific areas, right? Because these are the areas that I know best. That's the best way you can mitigate, mitigate risk is to stick to what you know and what you can execute extraordinarily well, especially when the market is weird, <laughs> like how it is right now, right? It's like, you know, we didn't expect a, a pretty awesome spring market, but here we are, we got it, but then we don't know what's next, right? For the remainder of the summer. So really being 
clear on your strategy. And the next part of it is making sure there's multiple exit strategies out. I am seeing developers here in Boston losing their shirt because they just, they only plan one way out. So any deal you're looking at right now, whether you're flipping or you're holding long-term, whatever it is, make sure that the numbers work both ways, right? Like if you had to sell this asset, could you still make money selling it at X and play the most conservative number? And then the same thing if you're buying and holding it long-term. So when it comes to contingencies, especially in the construction budgets, I put an extra 20%. You you absolutely have to. The way that uh, building inspectors are these days and the way materials are these days, you absolutely have to create that buffer for yourself. And guess what? If if, If you stay within that or under that, fantastic. Keep it, right? It's for you. But keep that buffer zone in place and then also add more time for you and making sure you have these multiple exit strategies kind of in and out. That would be the best way, especially in this market. And also maybe add a little bit of creative financing, right? So if there's a way to craft that right within your exit strategy, is there a way to creatively do this out? Because sometimes people are like, oh, I have to sell or I have to hold long term. Well, maybe there's a way for you to creatively work that deal. Um, So something else to consider in your exit strategy, but those two things, staying hyper-focused on your strategy, what you know best and what you can execute well, and then this other part, which is super, 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 super What What I want to just bring to awareness, right? Because for the women that are listening to, to, to you right now and totally understand and agree about focusing on what you know, because the market is so variable and volatile at the moment. So there's a lot of uncertainty there. We're looking at a property right now that is literally seven minutes from my house. So even on that portion, I want to be as close as I can because I can control those variables. But one thing that I want to point out to the women that are listening, right? You just heard Pamela talking about being creative, thinking about creative financing and different assets. One thing I don't want you guys to do is like, wow, now I need to learn all of that myself. And that's going to take time. I really need you guys to think about leaning into the community. Our Facebook group has a lot of women that has already done it. So leverage, leverage the experience, listen to different types of podcasts of women that has done this already. And you don't need to reinvent the wheel, right? And then once you get to a point where you're like, okay, I'm ready to present. Hey, everybody, I am thinking about presenting this offer. Those are the numbers. What am I missing here? Right. And then when you get stuck and then you go to the community, it's different than when you do your homework and then you go to the community to ask for support. Then like, hey, can somebody just teach me how to do X, Y, and Z? Right. So do the work. But you said something, Pamela, that I want to, I have to read this here. You said this magic word construction, right? Mm-hmm. And that is my one of my love languages. And you became the youngest female general contractor to earn an unrestricted construction supervisor license in Massachusetts. That's so different. That's such a, diff- a difficult word for all the immigrants to read Massachusetts. And you says the license broke barriers for me as an underdog in this industry. I am in two male dominated fields, real estate development and commercial real estate. It has always been my goal to break through stereotypes and shatter glass ceilings. 
I love that so much. But but let can we talk about construction? Can we gig into a little bit about why did you choose that? Was it because you lost trust in in contractors? You're like, you know what? I'm just gonna take it over. Or you had that passion because there's a lot of women out there on our community that are thinking the same way to to really get specialized uh, on the construction piece because they had enough. So. Mm-hmm. What what was your thought process when you made that decision, first of all? Yes. So my thought process when I made that decision was, you know, I, I always was on site all the time and I was pretty much running everything and I was coordinating all the subcontractors kind of in, in general. So I was like, I'm kind of doing this job. Um, why am I paying somebody an extra 20% to do this when I'm literally doing all of their work? You know, and and also I saw so many inefficiencies in in the game. And you know, it's really interesting about this because I always, I always talk to, to my ladies and I'm like, Hey, listen, why is it that no offense to men, right? <laughs> why is it that they can't balance a billion things at once? And one of my good friends, Brindley was like, Pamela, it goes back to like our days way back in the day, yeah. you know, cavemen days where men are hunters, women are gatherers. So we're always looking at different things. We were balancing so many different relationships and we can keep so many things, you know, so many balls in our court. And I'm like, that's so fascinating. And that's what a GC does. If you think about it, right. You're there, you're fostering relationships and you're coordinating a bunch of different things. And you're almost like the conductor of the entire project. Right. So when you see that it hasn't been executed well on your projects previous to, I was like, I'm just going to get my CSL and, and do this thing myself. I'm running it anyways. Right. So let me just go and get that. And I'll tell you, it took me four times, four times I took that test. Fifth time, it was a snowstorm. It was so early. I drove like two hours out and I was like, oh my God, God, please, 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 please. Can I hope I pass this uh, CSL today that I did. Um, and it was, it was remarkable. So it, it's been a really cool, it's been a really cool license to have. And it's been a really cool experience to kind of be that on, on the job sites, especially because, you know, especially being a young female, you know, they kind of, think that they can walk all over you. But I've learned that if you treat people like family, you give them the respect and you share, showcase your knowledge to them, it's game over. You know, they, they treat you just like one of, you know, just like one of their own. So that, that's the key is, is those relationships. But if you ever want to get condescending or rude or mean, like anybody else, some somebody's going to snap at you. So that's really the key. Um, and if you pay them on time and everything's on schedule and you're constantly communicating, then then you're in good shape. If not, it might be a little rough. <laughs> I used to think working from home was the dream, until it wasn't. Between the distractions and the solitude, I was struggling. But then, I discovered Industrious Office, and honestly, it's been a game changer. Every day at Industrious feels like stepping into a zone of productivity. The high-speed internet never fails me during crucial moments, and the workspace? It's not only stylish, but designed to boost your focus and creativity. Plus, the daily breakfast and endless coffees are super cool. Meeting other driven professionals right where I work has not just expanded my network, it's inspired me. It's amazing how being around other focused people can push you to achieve more, you know what I mean? If you're looking for a sign to change your workspace, this is it. Check out Industrious by visiting biggerpockets.com slash industrious. Then click join now and use the promo code pockets to get a free week of co-working when you take a tour. That's biggerpockets.com slash industrious and use promo code pockets after clicking join now. Experience for yourself how the right environment can change the way you work. Industrious. It's where your best work happens. 
You're trying to close on your next rental, so why is your insurance company dragging its feet? With long lead times and never-ending paper forms, it's no wonder it takes forever to finally get a policy. Modern investors deserve better. They deserve Steadily.com. At Steadily.com, you'll get fast, affordable landlord insurance available online 24-7 in just a few clicks. You can even get next-day coverage, which takes just minutes, by the way, to obtain. And you can do it all from your phone. Steadily was founded by landlords who created insurance products tailored to the unique needs of this industry. It's their sole focus, and that's why landlords nationwide consistently rate them 4.8 out of 5 stars. So whether you've got a single family, short-term, or multifamily portfolio, Steadily.com can secure the best coverage at the best price to protect your properties. Discover how Steadily can save you both time and money on your rental property insurance. Visit Steadily.com for a commitment-free quote tailored to your needs today. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What would you tell women who are considering that as a step, meaning that they they want to become the general contractor? What would you say to them as some words of wisdom or some a litmus test to say, do you really want to do this? And this is what it looks like. Because there are a lot of women in our community who've expressed that and they're just not sure. Yeah. So I think you've got to have a few projects under your belt and make sure you have really good relationships with subcontractors in order to move ahead and do that. See, I was already boots on the ground taking over projects and running them myself. So it was very easy for me to say, okay, hey, next project that's coming on, we're doing X, Y, Z, here are the plans, get it done. So make sure you have a few projects under your belt and you know exactly what it feels like because it is a lot of pressure, right? So when I got to the point that I was handling and I was doing more projects at a time, I had to bring in a GC just for time purposes, right? So it depends on how many projects are you actually working on right now have you done them before? Because it's a rude awakening if you haven't and you step into the game. You know, I would advise like shadowing a GC for a while before you dive in or really get hands on on a project before you go in. But I mean, honestly, w- once you do that once or twice or three times or whatever, you get your feet wet and it's much more comfortable to step into the game at that point because it's, it's you're in your element. You have the relationships built. You know what the process looks like and all of that because construction can really take you for for a bit of a ride. And, and it really also depends on the level of construction that you're doing, right? So if you're doing one to four family flips, you're more than likely to do this on your own. If you're working on massive scale developments, whole different game, that's yeah. what they think have a whole different ballgame. So it really, there's a few variables that matter there. And I like what you're saying that you have that as, as a tool, right? As a possibility. And if you get other projects we are all looking to build wealth here. We're not looking to get a, a J-O-B, right? So having that, you have the choice and not the need to different things, right? You have the choice. If I want to run, I run. And if I don't, I hire somebody. And still, I get the knowledge to have high-level conversation with that person, get the respect, and then we move it quicker. I want to transition to the commercial properties. How did you make the decision? Was it conscious or 
it just happened to to go from from residential to commercial. And I don't know if it was linear to you or parallel to everything that you have going on, because a lot of the women that that we have been talking inside our community are thinking about going higher. And when we talk to them, they say, oh, and then they say a smaller number. And then we have a more deeper conversation. Is like the same energy that you apply here, you apply with 10 or 15 more doors and actually will be better because then you can have uh, cash flow enough to pay somebody to manage the property. So we are having all those conversations. Before we get there, sh share with the ladies what type of commercial are we talking that you are uh, you're investing, you are investing. When it comes to commercial, it's really anything that's over four units, residential or mixed use properties, which means like commercial on the first floor, residential above. So you're kind of mixing the, uh, the risk levels, if you will. Mm -hmm. So, so that's, you know, what I realized was the same work that you're going to do on a 10 unit building is going to be the same work that you're going to do on a single family, same time spent. And it's brutal when you think think about it because you're like, this is the same framework. This is the same thing, but I'm making so far less here. You know, but this is, again, with your journey in time, what, how you learn, right? And so, so that was the transition that I decided to make because I was able to, I proved my model where I was at the one to four units. I stabilized myself, built my track record because also lenders pay attention to things like this, right? Private lenders, investors, people that are investing in you, all of that. They're not just going to go out there and be like, here you go, go out and buy commercial real estate when you have zero experience, right? And we're entering a time in the United States of America's economic disaster pretty soon that we have $3 trillion worth of commercial real estate assets coming due, notes coming due in the next 18 months. And commercial has been transitioning very fast because of the fact that it's been so behind on innovation. Residential has been easier to kind of implement different things into. Commercial has not, right? Like, for example, people are like, malls are dying. Yes and no, right? So like the retail footprint is getting smaller, but the warehouse footprint is getting bigger. So are you staying ahead of those trends when it comes to the consumer, right? And now what's happening is COVID created, you know, what it created where everyone's working from home and all of that stuff. So now you got these office buildings in, you know, especially here in Boston that are sitting half empty, half vacant, and that's affecting values. And so how is that all going to play out? So I mean, commercial is an excellent field. It's just, there's a lot more risk, a lot more money involved, and you just have to learn to mitigate that really, really well. Um, like for me, I went for the smaller commercial stuff and then kind of transitioned a little bit bigger when it came to the investment portfolio. And now I'm actually diving into more shipping home container developments and, and um, tiny homes and that kind of thing um, in the future, which is also classified as commercial, but it just really depends. You have to mitigate that risk level big time. So it depends what you're looking at, right? You know, you got to almost taste test it a little bit and kind of step into it slowly because you could lose a lot. I think that because of COVID, right? We had a shift, not just the real estate market, we can all see it, right? And there was a shift of behavior and lifestyle that, in my opinion, is dictating where real estate will go. And nobody could freaking predict that from 10 years ago. That was not even possible, right? So when we're talking about lifestyle, when we're traveling, what are we looking to do? Go to Airbnbs or having an experience, right? 
Um, so the cookie cutter projects won't cut anymore. Or, or I should say, you won't yield the full potential that you could if you put added a little pinch of experience and personality into it. You're talking about tiny homes. People realized, I believe, that things don't bring them happiness or or they don't get fulfilled with it. And they don't need all this stuff. They don't need all of it. So you either shove it to a, a storage unit and buy a tiny house or, right, the containers, the glamping, all of, all of those, do you see as the, the new way of people being? Because they are our clients, right? They are our consumers. Is there where you see the opportunity lays for real estate? Absolutely. That is absolutely the future. And it's actually one of the reasons why I kind of scaled back on development and decided, hey, I want to build with intention and I really want to build something that's going to not just serve somebody, you know, serve a certain percentage of the population, right? What's what's going to take this to a whole new level and what's going to integrate all of these experiences like you were talking about. And, uh, you know, I'm looking at the inefficiencies of construction because I've run job sites and I've seen how much like physical labor takes. One project could take you six to nine months or even a year to renovate. If you're building new construction, you might be in 12 to 18 months, right? So, and and that's why I I was mentioning earlier, you know, a single family could take you just as much time as a 10 unit or, or beyond, right? Because the same timetable. And so looking at the inefficiencies of construction and looking at things like shipping home containers that could provide long-term housing solutions, imagine you're running utilities And then you plug in these shipping containers and then all of a sudden you can execute hundreds of sites Hmm. within six to nine months. Caveat there's zoning, of course, but, but things like this is like, this is where the future is going. I'm curious, Pamela, with that, with that piece of it or that transition, how did you mitigate risk? And I, and I think that's the the question that so many investors are, are figuring, right? They're, they're, they're shifting, they're, they're, they're using what they know back to your original point, right? What can I do today that I mitigate risk? I know, I kind of go all in on what I know and what I can do, but that can be applied to a little bit of a, you know, of a different asset class, if you will, that quite honestly aligns better with the current economy and where we're headed. And that's always, that's the game we're in right now. And that's really what people need to focus their energy on. But I'm curious, how did you, basis of the first thing we talked about, about forecasting and, and not, because you're, you know, you said you're a high D, which means you're high dominance, right? So you're going to go for those new things. And I think so many of us do. So I'm curious, how did you mitigate your own risk? Are you doing these shipping container, tiny homes in your kind of local economy? Is it in a different economy? I'm just curious to get inside your head. Now as a more seasoned person, how are you navigating that? It's a new thing. So it's almost like I'm starting from scratch, right? Because this is a new type of concept and development. It has been done across the country. Mine's a little bit different. So I'm working on a beta right now. And I live in Massachusetts, but I want to do this in Vermont because the zoning is much less stricter. Mm. And I know that once I have a beta, that from there, I can take that and replicate it kind of all across all across the US, right? But when it comes to these shipping containers, the way that I'm financially modeling them is, okay, well, what's a model that has worked in the past? And you look at mobile home parks and, you know, owner still retains the land value, right? You still own the land always, but then the person gets to keep that container. It's their home, right? So, you know, there are some lending restrictions and things with that, but 
you're, I'm looking at it and I'm saying, well, for investors, this is monthly recurring cash flow coming in. This is very easily built once the permits are in process pretty much and, and approved because you can, I can have them dropped, done, connected to utilities and all of that. And you can pretty much model it out. Okay, well, if we rent these units, it'll rent for X amount. And then we get the monthly cash flow of X as well. Because you can do it two ways. You could either sell the containers and then the you know, the individual family or whoever is living inside there owns it, or you can just rent it out to them. So there's two different models. And I'm kind of doing a, a hybrid of both to test out both because they're still not, although it's been approved in, in the code books that shipping home containers, tiny homes, they have their own version of code, which is amazing. So, and this has been done within like the last year or two. So mm. one of my biggest goals is to be a pioneer in that space um, because not only will it serve on these major developments, but it's also going to serve for homeowners for additional dwelling units on their properties, right? So there's two functions to this. And that's where I see the maximum value is in these two ways. But the way that I was looking at this one, how do I create the risk level for my investors at the lowest level is model it after a mobile home park and work it from there. Because mobile home parks, sometimes the mobile home owners own the units and rent them out. And then a lot of them are also sold as well. So that's um, that's the way that I looked at it because I said, this is a proven model that people have seen before and let's not recreate the wheel, but do it in such a way where it's, where it's bringing in the 21st century and the new kind of consumer idea, right? And kind of creating that kind of flow, but then that. also mitigating risk at the same time, right? With a model that's already been proven, kind of like reworking it, just tweaking it a little bit. And that's really how you hedge against making the mis- making mistakes in this economy. And I think that's pretty key. You know, it's actually necessary. <laughs> you know, and and I think that's that's neat. And I, and I love that you're saying it's more of a beta. And I think more women really need to get their heads around just like beta testing fill in the blank versus like I need to know everything. I need to be an expert in this. And I and I love that approach where you're going to be like, okay, we're going to beta this and and I'm going to, you know, and how do I mitigate the least amount of risk for my investors and for myself? Because if you are, you know, putting them in, putting money into to 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 new things, which we are doing the same, um, you have to mitigate it for them. So I love that. Um, Plan little, this has been great. I want to follow you along the, the the tiny home journey. You know, that's that's really neat. Um, where can the ladies listening learn more about you and follow you along? Absolutely. So I'm on social media, Pamela underscore Barty on Instagram. You can find me on LinkedIn and all the things. And then also my website, uh, PamelaBarty.com. Happy to connect. Any questions? Like I am here. Just want to see you elevate. That's the that's the number one thing. And the Real Estate on their Dog podcast, ladies, please tune in. We're going to add all of this information on our show notes. So you can just go there and get it. Now we're going to transition to our fabulous three questions. And the first one, Pamela, is what's the most transformational book you ever read? Napoleon Hill, Think and Grow Rich. That was a huge mindset shift. I know that's like the most basic answer for all you guys. You're like, of course, it's that one. Yes, yes, it's that one for me. But it's just such an iconic book and a step-by-step and like really... It just propelled me to the whole next level when I had when I had heard that book. So definitely that. Second question is, what's the most powerful routine that you do to create a financially free in Bella's life? Yes, writing it down. I'm super old school with the notepads, right? So as wonderful as all this AI and all these technologies on your phones and all the things, I'm still like, I need pen to paper and I need to map it out like, 
monthly, weekly, daily, and like really breaking that down and creating a whole visualization process behind that and kind of getting it down on paper has been a uh, huge, huge for me in terms of productivity and also manifestation. Mm, I like that. Now it's a topic for the next podcast, productivity plus manifestation. Mm. Nah, you got me curious. <laughs> Last question, which woman, famous or not, has inspired you the most? So there is a local builder, um, her name's Sydney Stumpo. So she actually uh, was my role model when I stepped into the game here in Boston. So she had her own HGTV show called Tough as Nails, and she's in the next mm -hmm. town over from me. So she she builds like three million and up types of mansions, and she's been doing this since the 80s. Like she mm -hmm. had two kids, you know, like young, and she's still on these job sites crushing it. And I remember when I first looked in development, I was looking for a model, right? Because the first thing you do when you're trying to start something new and mitigate risk, right, is look at a model of something else that has worked. Um, and it kind of almost makes you feel better when you start or it inspires you to start because it's like, hey, if this person or if this worked for this person, then why wouldn't it work for me? Cindy was absolutely, absolutely one of those people. And I remember um, running into her office one day, and this was like when I was first starting in real estate development. And uh, I was like, Cindy, I know you don't know me, but you inspire me big time as a woman. Like you've been doing this since the 80s, like, and the stuff you build, it's not like, like, it's like limestone, like very like gorgeous, like detailed, amazing properties. And what she's built over the years was so inspiring to me. And, and I remember she said to me, she gave me a huge hug, even though she had no idea who I was. And I could have been a raging psychopath for all she knew. Right? <laughs> I just showed up at her office and she just gave me a huge hug. And she's like, honey, anything you need, like I'm here. Here's my cell, just call me anytime. And that like, to have that, you know, I never bothered her, of course, you know, but to have that, like, oh my God, somebody believes in me at, at this level and like, look at what she's created. And, you know, she, she's willing to be there for me. Like that's huge. So that's a special thing about women, right? Is like, we, we rise, we help each other rise, which I think is the most beautiful thing ever. So I love that. I love that. Thank you so much, Pamela, for being on our show. Thank you for sharing your, your, ideas, wisdom, and appreciate all that you're doing. Excited to see where you go. Thank you so much for having me, ladies. This is amazing. Thank you. If you enjoyed this podcast and want to receive updates on our next interviews, go to our website, therealestateinvestor.com. There, you can subscribe to our show, become part of our investor community, and get updates on upcoming episodes. If you like our show, please share with other women who would benefit. And don't forget to leave us a rating on iTunes. We'd really appreciate it. And as always, we encourage you to take one action as a result of today's show and put it into motion so you can live both a financially free and balanced life. Thanks for spending time with us. Ciao.